This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 206 of the Stacey West podcast in a change to your expected schedule. I am once again your host and my name is Gary and this week I am joined by the same person I was last week and his name is Chris. How are you doing? Very well. Hello everybody. So first of all, we must say Ben uh, is having a bit of a tough week at the moment. So it's me and Chris. So obviously um, the two of us and hopefully everybody listening, send all their best to uh, Ben and Rachel and hope that things pick up for them soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, But <clears throat> you asked if I'm well, I'm in the doghouse, Chris. Metaphorically or kind um, of, kind yeah, of also yeah. in reality in a way? Semi-literally. Yeah. So um Fee had the day off today and she wanted to get things done for the wedding and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but she couldn't because she had to take the dog to the groomers. Um, and so she drove. It's a 45 minute round trip. So she drove 20, 25 minutes to the groomers, sitting outside for 20 minutes, wondering why he wasn't coming out. Went and knocked on the door and he went, it's tomorrow, love. Um, and she's come home and I've written um, 2.40 on the 23rd on the calendar. And it's actually 2.30 on the 24th. Some would say that's a schoolboy error. Yeah, it is. I've done it before um, because the way that the calendar uh, is kind of printed, um, yeah, I have a little bit of an issue with which day's which on there. So, so. Oh, dear. oh dear. I don't think I've ever done anything like that. The, the worst one for me was just when you get the time wrong when the clocks change. No, I never do that. Yeah, turned up an hour early once for a, an away game. I think it was, I don't know, it was... Was meet away at Darlington seems to ring a bell, so it was an early start anyway. And then me and my old man rocked up at the Central Bank car park at like five a.m. and we weren't meant to meet until six or something. I think that's the only time we've done that. I've also had a challenging day though, if it makes you feel any better. So um, I was due to deliver a, a face-to-face group session as I do most days of the week. Turned up, laptop died, um, and not died as in the battery just went flat, as in wouldn't turn back on. Uh, so. 
that was a challenge when you had 20 people in front of you wanting you to, to talk through an hour and a half presentation in a lovely, brilliant, interactive, exciting way. Um, and you, you, you can't do it properly. So that was fun. <laughs> uh, but we're here now and I've got a laptop, which is my personal laptop, which, which works and is on right now. So we're all good now. Well, I, I've actually been wasting my time this week doing AI generated art. I've um, noticed. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing it a lot. So I, I, I won't be able, the readers, uh, listeners won't be able to see it, but I've literally just been, I've actually subscribed to it now. That's how bad. So look, I've managed to do my dog as James Bond in front of an Aston Martin in a tuxedo. The thing is, that's genuinely excellent. Look um, at that. I've actually done a series of nine uh, of, of my dog as different things and put them on fridge magnets and ordered them. So we've got like Charlie as Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones and whatever uh, as Darth Vader. I did him as a, the antagonist of a horror movie and he's kind of sitting at Camp Crystal Lake in blue overalls looking sad. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of hooked on it and I subscribe to it. It's like $10 a month and I've subscribed to it and I'm just sitting there going, Oh, I wonder what it'd look like if I could have a dragon but in a pint glass on a bar in a pub and like it's a normal pub and then I type it in and it comes up and I'll go, yeah, it looks shit. Let's do something else. <laughs> so I, one, I tried one, to do... One in, every, one in every how many attempts comes out as a decent one. How, how many yeah. does it take? Well, no, no, some of them are brilliant. It doesn't take that many on this, this mid-journey. And it was my boss's 40th this week. Happy birthday, Ash. I know you don't listen, but there we go. Um, but I didn't know it was his 40th, so I missed it. So he came in on Wednesday and like, oh, you're in bad books. You forgot my birthday. It's like, I'll do you an AI-generated art picture of you two dogs looking like crime fighters standing in a field. And he's like, yeah, all right then. Yeah, deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, deal. And so, uh, yeah, so, that, so that's what he's done. Um so yeah, I'm hooked on it. I've, I'm putting the, the players on. I've got another player lined up ready for the morning. Those kind of um, things, you know, the, the obviously I did Matt Reed and Pete again. So I have got another one. I'm steering clear of making Joe Walsh out of glass, though. That's the only thing I'm going to say because it could be. <laughs> Poor lad. I, don't, I didn't I notice don't Pete to... again. So I, I, I didn't get a chance to read any of the comments. So I was just in, a, in the couple of minutes at lunch break, I scrolled. The Reedy one was obvious. It was excellent. Yeah, yeah. And then was it, was it today's or yesterday's that clearly is Pete again? But I didn't, I didn't. Realised who it was. I couldn't work it out. That one it was this morning. Yeah, I'd basically done him as a wizard at Hogwarts because that was um, it. Yeah, I thought he was a wizard. So, and it does. They sometimes they look like him, and sometimes they don't. Like the Ethan Arahan one is um, Braveheart. Last week it was like, wow, it actually looks like Ethan Arahan. Uh, and then I did one with Mark Bailey, and it's like, wow, it looks like Jason Statham. <laughs> with, yeah, with an extra arm. So. Um, so anyway, the irreverent banter is staving off as having to talk about Peterborough. So last week we did small wins, mm -hmm. which uh, which went down quite well. Um, didn't have very many emailed to us, so people obviously didn't want to uh, or didn't kind of reply. So people obviously don't have that many small wins of their own. Um, but I think somebody last week said Desert Island film and music. Now, just picking your favourite, sad, so, um, or is easy. So we thought we'd do today. Guilty Pleasure. So a Guilty Pleasure song and a Guilty Pleasure movie. Um, but you're a maverick and you're going off script with the movie, aren't you? Well, yeah, because I don't think I've got a Guilty Pleasure of a movie. I was thinking really hard about this. And I kind of like the films I like, but I think they're all good films. But there's one that I don't like, which everyone else I've ever spoken seems to think was brilliant. So I thought that's as best as I could get. So it's an unpopular opinion rather than a guilty pleasure. And it is the new, the semi, well, not new now, but the most recent Mad Max film, which my mates raved about, thought it was fantastic, went to the cinema to watch it. And I thought it was absolutely shite. Was I that like, with um, 
Tom Hardy. Yeah, it was. He won, a, he won an, Oscar, an Oscar for that. He didn't oh, say yeah. anything. It was guff. Oh, I'm so pleased you thought that because I yeah. thought it was shit. And everyone I went with, oh, I walked out, literally, literally walked out of that cinema. I was fully expected to have a conversation about how terrible it was. And they thought, oh, wasn't it brilliant? I no. No. They literally, they literally went away and came back again. That was the plot. That was all. Yeah. That <laughs> <It> <laughs> so, was. so my popular opinion from a film is is that I couldn't think of a guilty pleasure for a film, but I've got well, a couple of songs. But you go first for your film. I have got a guilty pleasure for a film, and it, it's a guilty pleasure film. But then it's it might even go into being a guilty pleasure actor as well. I love Dirty Dancing. Oh God. I think Dirty Dancing is one of the best films ever made. It's just absolutely phenomenal. No, I... Oh, please, stop. please stop. I'm getting goosebumps, man. I'm getting goosebumps. Nobody puts baby in a corner. No, I, do you know what? I love Dirty Dancing. I know why. Because um, I loved Patrick Swayze. My mum was a Patrick Swayze fan. She liked him for different reasons to me. Um, because she liked him as a like a 35, 40-year-old woman. And I liked him as like... He's in Roadhouse kicking people's asses. Um, so I loved Roadhouse. I loved Ghost, uh, Patrick Swayze, anything with him in, but Dirty Dancing. He came on the other week and he's like, oh, you'll not want to watch this, will you? And he's like, fuck off. <laughs> Get the popcorn. <laughs> Feet up. You know, let's watch that bit again where he picks her up in the air. It's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, he was the epitome. I was, I, I was not expecting that. Really? <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but it definitely wasn't that. Bloody yeah. Up. I don't well, care what people say. Uh, so go on, the Guilty Pleasure song then. What um, what song you got yeah, as Guilty Pleasure? This probably rivals your Dirty Dancing, to be honest. So this is um, Every Time We Touch by Cascada. I don't even know what that is. Because every time we touch, I get this feeling. Still don't. Wow. Okay. It's not a great song. I appreciate most people won't like it. The reason I like it, though, is I always quite secretly liked it anyway when it first came out, which was what? probably 20 years ago now. And uh, then when I was learning guitar, it had easy chords. Yeah. So it was one of the kind of my go-to songs when I was just kind of learning. And it's just stuck. And it's honestly, whenever I pick the guitar up, it's literally the first song I play. Just as like a warm-up <laughs> every single time. Um, so yeah, that's me. That is the man who prides himself on liking, um, liking music that's got guitars in it and means something. Uh, you know, like proper lyrics and proper musicianship. I also like a pretty meaningless song um trance song from the early noughties yeah you see there are meaningless trance songs from the early noughties i really like do you remember a song um called rapture by io yes i see i quite like that too actually <sighs> and it's uh, not a thing, that's not a guilty pleasure though no no it's resurrection not. by ppk, PPK. i quite like that because it doesn't mean anything but it's just catchy it's decent it's harmless isn't it I, I used to like them because um, I used to be smashed in a club and they'd come on and you'd be like, you'd get, whoa. It's that thing on Peep Show, isn't it, where they're on the dance floor. He's bringing it up. He's bringing it up. He's taking it down. Um, yeah. Oh, So my guilty pleasure is more of a genre, but I will pick a particular song as well if, if I have to. Um, you do have to. It's country and western. Okay. Fair uh, I love country and western. And I'm not just talking about like cool country and western like johnny cash johnny cash is cool everybody knows johnny cash is cool you're allowed to like johnny cash songs but if you start going and saying i quite like billy joe spears harper valley pta um and you know dolly parton jolene have you heard the slow down oh, like jolene jo as well jolene is one of my is one of my favorite songs again 
I can, it's one of the early ones I started learning on guitar, so you kind of get to know it. But I've always liked Jolene, and it's, I've got like a thousand different covers of it on my Spotify. <laughs> It's great. It's a great song. It's a great song. And there's one that it was it was slowed down. It was slowed down to however many beats per minute or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, it, it's a good song. Yeah, I mean, I've got loads of other guilty pleasure songs. Like when I'm in a car and something comes on, there's a song as well, and it's more guilty than a pleasure. But it's No Survivor by Nick Helm because it gets oh, what's feed. brilliant. But she love- hates it. It gets in her head. <laughs> And and we were sitting earlier at lunch and we were trying to work out songs for the registry office. So what what songs are we going to play while people are coming in and all that sort of stuff? And I went, oh, here's one. Clicked on it. No survivor. <laughs> yeah. I do well, like I just, that. You know what? So many are coming into my head now. I I like Scooter. Oh, well, we play it, don't we? In the pool How room. It's on the jukebox in the pool oh, room. Yes, please. I like, uh, what is it? Bob jumping all over the world or whatever. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um, so just to wrap this section up, I think we got some from Ben, didn't we? Um, let me have a quick look. So Ben likes Mean Girls for the movie. It's just funny. Uh, and he likes Toxic by Britney. Don't care what anyone says. It's an absolute banger. Plus, I had to dissect it in an early music production assignment at uni, and it's basically flawless, is, is what he it? says. About Britney Spears. what we say about football in the next 45 minutes to an hour. What we really want to know is whether Toxic by Britney Spears is flawless or not. Yeah. So tweet us, is it flawless, Toxic by Britney Spears? Or would you prefer to listen to uh, King of the Road? Because that's another one of mine. You know that. Midnight, um, King of the Road. That was an advert once upon a time, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, I can't think how it goes now. I was singing it earlier and now I can't think how it bloody goes. Because I know all of the children, all of their names. They like when they yeah, anyway, there we go. Right, should we talk about some football? We're 30 minutes in. People are going to be listening and going, we don't want to listen to Gary and Chris tell us what shit songs they like. No, but they might not also want to listen to us talk about Peter either. No, granted. Um, but they're going to have to. They are going to have to. Um, so um, let's go. Go, yeah. i tell you what, I, I did a dog walk on it. So let me I'll get just a little bit from you. I've picked up some stats and some bits and bobs um, to have a look at, but what were your impressions of it? Well, I haven't got any stats to go off. I haven't had a chance to see any this time. People may be surprised to know. Though, um, on Sunday, um, one of the officials at our, at our football match uh, said to me after the game that he enjoyed the pod, so thank you very much for that. But also that um, he wants less talk of XG. So you'll be pleased to know today I haven't seen it. So I Which, official? Which official was it? I don't want to say because I don't know if he'll want to be shouted out. Well, because I knew one of the linesmen was um, Alfie Stimson, who was my friend Paul Stimson's son. Oh, it was the other liner. Okay, there we go. I didn't know who that was. <laughs> so, yeah, that's cool. Okay. Um, Let's talk anyway, about Well, so, he- yeah. hello to the other lino. There we go. Hello. You there did a good go. job. Yes, you did. Thank you. Anyway, um, it was an interesting game. It wasn't actually. No, I was going to say it was an interesting game, kind no. of in terms of in terms of analysis, but it probably wasn't interesting to watch. Um, um, I felt that we allowed Peterborough to dominate it at times. Personally, um, 
I felt Peterborough were good once they were given the opportunity to be. They were better than I thought they were going to be, if I'm honest, when they had the ball. I think they moved the ball pretty quickly with intensity relatively well. Didn't create a huge number of really clear-cut chances, but they took the ones that they had. Um, but I know, obviously, we're a pressing side. We all know that we're good at pressing, so we allow them to have the ball deep and we want to win the ball back in high areas. That's how we play. It's how we've played most of the season. Um, I don't feel like we pressed particularly effectively. And once they played through us once or twice, we then stopped trying to do that because they had chances off the back of it, which became quite stodgy. It meant they dominated possession. It meant that we were very much playing on the counter-attack without any real cohesion. And, yeah, I thought it was a poor performance from us in the end, to be honest. And whether, you know, as soon as they scored their second goal, it was game over. The third one didn't really change anything for me. Um, first half was poor. We were better second half after the shape change and 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 until they scored their second and then it was game over. Yeah, it's really interesting because the stats tell a slightly different story. Yeah, to the to what the to how the game actually was. Um, Peterborough United were not as good as the scoreline suggested. I don't think there's any doubt whatsoever about that because I don't think that it was a three 0 game. But I think if it finished, definitely a win to Peterborough to nil was the that correct was right. result. Yeah, it was. It was the correct result. XG suggests 1-0 was the correct result. Their XG was 0.84. So the chances that they scored, you know, they scored three goals from, from where, where they should have scored one. Our, our, our XG was 0.22. And for me, that's 0.22 too high um, mm. because we were poor. We had more shots than Peterborough. Nine shots to their eight. We had one on target, they had four. They had four shots on target, scored three. They weren't that good. They weren't pouring all over us. They weren't um, as, as clinical. say they were, they were clinical, but they weren't as comprehensive in their performance as it suggests. We delivered more crosses into the box, 13 compared to their eight, but only two of ours landed. To be fair, only two of theirs landed as well. Um, they were just, for me, they were a good side in the final third. They didn't need to be a good side in the other in the in their defensive third at all because we were we offered nothing whatsoever. We were like a boxer with a paper mache hand. Like as soon as we'd lashed out, it just crumbled and that was it. Um and that's why I think I'm pissed off because we've won and drawn games against much better teams. Yeah, that was think- it. That was it. It was for me, it had a big game feel before the game, like like the other big games that we've had, but the performance was off that compared to what we was expecting, I think. Um, I thought Peterborough were just better than us in both boxes, um, certainly in our box. Um, like you said, we didn't have too many opportunities to, to really test them in theirs, but what, what we did put in, they dealt with. I just think they were like, clinical is the right word. But, you know, and I will talk about XG because teams, XG is a guide, but good yep. teams overperform it. So yep. good strikers, good attackers um, will score more goals than they actually suggest because they are of a higher quality than their than their peers in the in their division. That's kind of how you. That's a good indicator of a team or a player that's better than the level or worse, of course. Um, and they were good in the box. They took their chance as well. Johnson Clark Carrish, You know, we said we weren't too too worried about him um, on the pod last week. You know, like he was brilliant. I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he well, was, yeah, and he, he took his goal as well. Fair play. Like I was wrong to to dismiss him. Really, you know, because we said a lot of his goals are penalties. He's just a finisher, but he was. Hell, if you've got someone that puts the ball in the net as frequently as he does, you're going to score goals. And yeah, I, I, like I said, I, you can't complain at the result. Um, I, but I'm disappointed at our performance because I felt 
in the fewer times that we did really try and take the game too posh, we didn't create anything clear-cut, but that looked like there was chances there for us. And especially in the first few minutes, their second half, I felt like, yeah, we've got a game now. But we just didn't do it anywhere near as often no. as we should have. Um, so a couple of bits that I picked up. First of all, Paulie O'Connor has got uh, the Man of the Match award on uh, the Stacey West uh, player ratings, 6.1. So it's, you know, best of a bad bunch, along with Carl Rushworth. Paulie O'Connor won fewer than 50% of his defensive duels. I think he won 40% of his aerial duels, which is really low for him. Mm-hmm. He actually didn't have a good game at all. Only one defender won more than 50% of their aerial duels, um, and he's got 4.7 at the moment rating, and that's Sean Rowan. And I think that's really interesting because I didn't think Rowan particularly stood out, but actually he was probably the best of a bad bunch across the back. And when I say a bad bunch, I don't... I don't. It's, it wasn't like we were calamitous. Yeah, they, I think they, it was different to twice. it was different to last season because if we had lost three 0 to Peterborough last season, I think we had all we could all envisage. Even if you just saw the score, you didn't see the game. You can envisage how that happened. You can envisage us being soft and being weak and being open and and being easy to play through. I don't think we were. I don't feel, like you said. The stats maybe suggest that we we didn't win our battles as much as we we have done. I don't feel like there was any real high profile errors that caused. A goal, obviously the the pass out on the on the uh, on their first one, but that was an inch away from being a really good pass to mm-hmm. then get us on the counter attack. So I don't mind. Was it Sorensen? I think it was. It was either ball to Sorensen mm-hmm. or from Sorensen. to Sorensen. It was it was literally an inch away from being into his feet, into his path, and he was away for a counter attack, which what made it really real shame. I don't think there was any glaring errors. Um, like their second goal was a you know Jack has done everything he possibly can to get a block in, and it's just an unlucky defection. Posh dominated the game in the in, in the boxes and they, they deserved the win. But the three nil does flatter him and, and the three nil makes makes the, the perception of the performance um maybe skews because I think the, the performance was more about our inability to attack than it actually was a, a, about our inability to defend. We still defended okay, I felt, even though the stats maybe say not quite to the efficiency that we that we have done at other times this season. I, I didn't think that was the particular weakness. No, the absolute weakness was attack. Um, yeah, Jack Diamond was the only attacker who had a touch in the box. And I think the only other one was Matty Virtue and Lewis Monsman. Ben House didn't have a touch in the box, according to the stats, and neither did Danny Mandrew. And that's, that's not good enough. House, I think early doors, the wingers were far too far away from House, so House was massively isolated. And when we mm-hmm. went to two up top, it changed a little bit. Luke Plange actually, again, doesn't get great ratings because he's a striker and he came on and he didn't score. Um, but over the course of 90 minutes, he would have averaged 4.35 successful attacking actions, which I think equates to about three, I think, overall, um, which is more than any player who started the game. So actually, I thought Plange gave us a certain energy. And from the shape change up to their second goal, Right, and people do. Uh, I, I've been met with you know people taking a mick out of me for this. I genuinely believed we could still have got a point, even though we weren't playing well. I agree with you. I, I still felt, yeah, I felt that Plange and House together looked relatively good, but we just the attackers didn't turn up. Jack Diamond didn't turn up. Danny Mandrew didn't turn up. Ben House really struggled. Um, losing Ethan Arahan and putting on Ted Bishop, I think. Oh, well, Ted Bishop came on, didn't he? For Matty Virtue, I think it was. Um, but there was no cohesion. Losing Matty Virtue, he was what a statistically look. He's one of our best players. He's had two shots. He's he's put more crosses in than Jack Diamond, than Danny Mandrew combined. Mm-hmm. It's Mainly interesting because isn't he's it? put one in. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting because 
the shape change, like no one wants to lose Ethan Erehan. He's one of our best players. Obviously, we've 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 spoken about him a hell of a lot since we've signed him. I'm sure we'll continue to in the coming weeks. So it'll be a shame to miss him. But tactically, our system was just getting played through. Like we, we had, and Mark Kennedy made a point of this actually in his in his conference, uh, press conference either uh, this week I think he mentioned about that we struggle to to press against the back four. Which will just done the because they have an overload. It's more difficult to press against a back four than a back three when you've got a front three. Um, and when we changed the shape, it was a more of a man-for-man press. So we didn't do it aggressively at all, but just pure mathematics suggests that what was, they haven't got a spare player anymore to, to, for an easy pass. Um, so we improved just by preventing them the openings to play through us, which they had in the early stages. And I agree with you. I don't think we were free flowing. I don't feel that we were dominating the game or creating a huge amount, but I felt like we was in it and I felt yeah. like we had a chance. Um, but like, like we said earlier, as soon as that second goal went in, it was game over. Now, I, I, I hadn't thought about this and it's quite clear now. I've just looked at the formation. So I've said that I thought we were great from the shape change up to their second goal. Mm. Well, not great. I thought we were better from the shape change to their second goal. Actually, we changed our shape two minutes before their second goal and went to a flat 4-4-2. So, actually, we were better when we were in a 3-5-2. We changed shape as soon as Irohan went off. Uh, we changed shape when he went off, yeah. To a 4-2-3-1. Matty, uh, to a, well, you call it what you kind want. Because house played in the two, in the ten. Yeah, they're putting it effectively as a 3-5-2. So, they're saying that we, we went almost with two up top. But I don't think that's correct. I think we went to a back four at that point. When Virtue went off, that was when they say we went to a flat back four. And Sorensen went into the midfield with Bishop, Mandrew and Diamond on the flanks, House and Plange. Yeah, you're right. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We went 3-5-2 first. Because so, we were all surprised I, I, that Plange was coming on for Aaron. Yeah. And, and I actually, that now. my point would be, I think three five two is the way forward. I don't think p- people talk about three at the back. Three at the back ain't the problem. The problem is at the minute that we're trying to play two uh, fullbacks and two wingers, and we're getting no penetration from from really from from either. So you're taking four players out of the game, and then yeah, essentially. Yeah, I well, I'm obviously biased because it's a particular formation that I favour anyway, as you will have noticed on Sunday, um, which is similar well, to you had a formation on Sunday. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll come that's, to that. Carry, that's carry on. Very harsh. <laughs> <laughs> but but the important thing is um, the three the three forwards that play. So you play a back three and you have wing backs. That's obviously that is the back four. The back three is is the, the deciding point. So if you're going to play a back three, which Mark Kennedy has said he prefers, then it's all about how you structure the rest of it. You obviously need central midfielders in there. So it's whether you have one up top and two wide players, one up top and two really tucked in narrow tens, or two up top and a ten. And just purely, just just my own opinion. This isn't a an, any kind of expert analysis. It's just my it's just opinion. You need those three players close together, because one of two things will happen: one of them will either be unmarked, or it will drag a wide defender in a back four, a left back or a right back, closer to the centre to to pick one up, which then creates space on the overlap for your wing backs to get further forward. If you have a striker up on his own, two wide forwards as wingers, then your wing backs have got their own play in front of them. So they're naturally going to be deeper, which yeah. then creates you playing even attacking in a back five. And it creates space in front of your midfield and you get end up as like a almost like a, a back seven with a with a front three. And it's and it and it's 
it's difficult to create that way. That's just my opinion, but but it's right. I, I feel like I feel, I feel like at times <laughs> it's it's been shown to be correct. But at the same time, we've clearly invested in attacking wide players. We've um, haven't really had the ability to play two up top. I know we have got plans, but we haven't got a second, a third striker to do that. You, know, you can argue that Mandrew has has and can play up there at times. Diamond has and can play up there at times, but they're not natural strikers. So I like a three-five-two, and I think in League One you play you play your back three, your wing backs, your two your two sixes that we currently have, but you position those front three much narrower. Um, a two a two and then a ten in behind is is ideal, um, or a, or a striker and two really narrow tens that are quite free, but you, so- you then leave the wings open for your wing backs to go and exploit. So are we saying that the two most important signings that we make this summer actually are not necessarily a centre-forward, um, but they're two proper attacking wing-backs? Probably, I, I pull names out of the hair, like Luke Lee, whatever his name is, Luke Lee, Leahy, who was at Bristol Rovers and Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield, uh, Shrewsbury, players yeah. like that. Yeah, an attacking wing-back will help, but I think also it's a, it's a potentially a, a, just a system thing, because if you've, if you've got someone... Right, if you're playing right wing back, let's imagine you're Cohen Bramble, who is a very attacking wing back, and he's playing left wing back for us. But there is someone, let's say Jack Diamond, playing left wing in front of him, and his pressing trigger is their right back, so he's going to be wide. Well, then Bramble's obviously going to be deeper. Whereas if, let's say, you're playing against the back three, and rather than um, the the a position right wing back be Diamond's pressing trigger, it's actually their right centre back. Bramwell's then going to be pressing on the wing back higher and he's naturally in a higher position. So I think partly it's system. I'm not saying this is the system's crap because it's hard to beat, but I think in terms of the attacking output, and we and I remember that the live part, Danny Butterfield made a really good point to one of the questions about pressing. I think it was my my geeky question. And he says that we don't we don't press just to stop the other team having the ball. We press to try and score. We're trying to press in situations where we can immediately win it back and get a goal and get a shot away, which is really a really good answer, a really interesting way of looking at it. It's not but surely, but no, but, <laughs> but but surely you'll to do that, you you commit more players further forward early on. And in those transition moments, you've got more players forward in those in those higher areas of the pitch. So you know it's football's so fluid and you know so it only takes one person to do that wrong. And you get clipped, the ball gets clipped over the top or into midfield, and then you've got five players forward out of the game. So it's high risk. But yeah, that's that's just my opinion. I like I like attacking and, and kind of high risk, high reward football. But that's just me. Yeah. Well, speaking of attacking, because I think we move on from Peterborough now, because we've done yeah. 20 minutes on it and it doesn't warrant it. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So there's there's been some chatter this week um about potentially Sunderland watching Ben House. Obviously, it's just going to be transfer rumour, but it's not surprising, is it, that he's being watched by teams in the Championship? I mean, he didn't have a great game on Saturday, to be fair to him, but it's certainly never through a lack of endeavour. And I think he's a striker who will never score you 25 goals a season, but might just help create you that many goals a season with his hard work for players around him. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's he's definitely, maybe this summer, maybe next summer, I think he's championship bound at some point. Yeah. Um, I think he's certainly shown the qualities. Now, just just think of how much he's improved in the time he's been with us in what a year and a half, or just only just over only just over a year, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's improved massively, and again, and Mark Candy's made a point of saying this: like off the ball, he's one of the best strikers in the league. And you know, when he's had the opportunity to get in front of the goal, his conversion percentage is pretty high. 
he hasn't scored loads and loads of goals because we haven't created loads and loads of chances. And if anything, he's often the catalyst to winning the balls back high up the pitch and then laying them off to a teammate. So maybe he would be a Twitter goal a season striker if he was playing in a team that provided him with a bit more service. But I think there's there's, there's so many ingredients there for a, for a real competent championship striker. Um, and I wouldn't begrudge him a move at all, as long as we got, you know, we'd obviously want compensating quite handsomely. And I, the fact he's got a long deal does protect us in that regard. But I think we've got to credit the recruitment team because for someone to spot him, it's not like he was, um, you know, prolific in the National League. It's not like we've gone out and signed um, Macaulay Langstaff and go, hang on, that, there's a bloke in the National League who scored a million goals. Should we go and have a look at him and see what he's like? Like, everyone notices that. This is I don't think Ben House scored over 11 goals in the National League. No, he but he clearly has some qualities that we're now seeing. And it's just it's just interesting. And it's just it's credit where it's due to pick that up. And, you know, the whole model is about trying to, 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 to bring players on for cheap, sell them on for a, for a profit so we can then over the long term invest. But I tell you what, be a massive loss to us yeah, on would. the pitch. But do, but do you think that the fact that we've brought House and he's doing relatively well for us now actually bodes well for the future for potentially Charlie Candle, certainly Dylan Duffy, to a degree Danny Mandriou, who I likened on a dog walk chat to Jeff Hughes a couple of weeks, a uh, couple of days ago, because obviously when Jeff Hughes came in with the greatest respect, it was crap for the first six to eight months. He, he, for me, he was he looked like he would blow over. He wasn't amongst the goals or assists. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing on him. And then he came out and he was a behemoth the next season, 2006-07, one of our best players. And I think Mandrew potentially could be like that. Dylan Duffy, we haven't seen anything of him to say what he's he's like. But, but the fact that Ben House is showing these qualities now that have got people going... He's a good player for us. He doesn't score enough goals and people will judge him on that, whether it's right or wrong, which we've just said he's, he's wrong um, because he's scored goals in big games as well. Um, but people, you know, the Wikipedia warriors go straight on and look at, you know, appearances and goals, don't they? But he, when you look deeper, this is actually a football player who has got the potential to go much higher. And like you say, just that, that bodes well for the players that we've got who at the moment we haven't seen the best of or anything. That's, like. that's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's so difficult to to kind of predict it because... Haven't quite seen it yet, um, but there's been a lot of players that have come into this club, done well, and progressed now in the last two or three years, and there's got to be a reason for that. Um, there's been a few that haven't, to be fair. Just yeah, but, 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 I mean, but yeah, of yeah, course they have. But no, no club have done better. No club gets them all right. I think no, I think I the know. number that have gone on to progress, the amount of players that come into an, a, a, a League One, League Two club, you know, they'll get released from a Premier League academy, or they'll be out of contract at another club. They'll go in, they'll, they'll do their two-year deal, they won't set the world alight, they'll do a job, but they'll get released at the end of it and they'll go and find another club. That kind of um, rotation, I suppose, convey about happens all the time, every summer. Um, there's not that many clubs that actually actively, consistently sell players on. A lot of clubs end contracts, but get new ones in. So even teams like MK Dons, we said they recruited well this summer. Maybe they lost a few players, obviously, a lot of them on freeze. Um, and they're recruited well, but they're all on, on, on free transfers, and and that happens everywhere. So it didn't it, it, one place it hasn't happened, um, and we'll I'm ruining it now. But I'm just going to mess up our um, our little list, I'm afraid. But one place that hasn't happened is Fleetwood, mm. because in this winter window, they clearly spent money on Stockley and Marriott, Absolutely. two players who do not have resale value. Um, at the time, I kind of called it as a risk probably one that's paid off for them in the short term uh, and this weekend and and to do you know what I, i'm going to kind of bundle it up i think with a little point 
that I made the other day about Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday, and it really wound me up because people were going saying, Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday, this is how football should be played. This is our League One football. I hope Mark Candy's watching. This is how you attack. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, of course it is. They've got £30,000 a week Barry Bannon in midfield. They've got, you know, eight, nine, ten thousand pounds a week Lee Gregory up front or James Norwood or Max Waters. And I, I found it really frustrating because we're, we're not comparing. This was a saying I used to hear in the builders' merch industry. You're not comparing apples with apples. When, you, when you're looking at Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday and this is what we should be doing. Yeah, I made the, the thing, I made the point about, you know, if your missus buys an Astra and you want to get to work quick and it's, you know, it's a 1.6 Astra and you look out the window and look at your neighbour and go, ah, oh, we, sh- we should have had a Lamborghini, but your neighbour, do you know what I mean? Your neighbour's a millionaire and you're not. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It just, it, and, and to a degree, I think that goes to Fleetwood. We're not a football club who have got an own, uh, the, the kind of ownership model where we're going to go, right, well, there's 12, 13 grand a week to spend on Stockley and Marriott and there's £500,000 to buy them with absolutely no no potential for return whatsoever. And they're not going to be in the playoffs next season either. And I no. just... Yeah. You, you mentioned it was, a, it was a risk when they signed them and it's paid off. And I agree with that 100%. Like, but it doesn't, mean it, wasn't, it doesn't mean it wasn't a risk at the time because they could have they could have failed. They could have really not fitted in. Um, and they, they could have they could have not had the run they've had. Now you look back at it, you can say results, everything's in the results, they've been on a great run, it was worth the investment, it's gotten away from, from danger. And you've kind of got to go fair deals because we kind of did that last season. To a degree. Not, yeah. not to the same extent, but we still we went over budget because we wanted to make sure that we stayed up and we, we bought four strikers in or whatever it was in January, you know, some on loan, some permanently, whatever. Um so we did it to an extent because we were flirting with relegation, just like Fleetwood was paid off for them. But but we we can't we can't do that every season. Fleetwood at some point won't be able to do that every season because the rules will catch up with them. The owner at some point will not be able to sustain that. Um, it's worked this season if it's a short term measure. But yeah, I, I think comparing Fleetwood though to the likes of Barnsley and Sheffield Wednesday is different because again, you're not comparing apples with apples in terms of the the overall club. So. It's, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think in regards to Saturday, it'll be a tough game for us for lots of reasons, not just because of those two, though. Do you know how many goals they've scored between them for Fleetwood? I don't know. I'm sure you're going to tell me. Let me guess. Six? Two. Huh. They've scored one each. So it's interesting then to, to think what has their impact been because... We've just been saying we've just been, we've just been saying about Ben House though about he doesn't score that many goals, but what an impact he has to the team. So we can't then go look at the other way and say, Oh, they haven't scored anything, so they haven't they haven't they haven't been worthwhile. But it's interesting to, to, to see that how much of the impact is, is, has been because they've just been in and around the team. Um and how much of it has been because fortunes changed, tactics have changed. I don't, we don't know, do we? We know we're not Fleetwood fans as much as we try and do a bit of research to, to predict to, to look ahead of the games. We don't know as anywhere near as much about Fleetwood as we do about Lincoln, and we never will. No. So it's difficult to know. So, but do you know who does know quite a bit about Fleetwood? His name I is reckon, Ben. Go on. I reckon I know who it might be. His name is Ben Nappers, and shock horror, Ben Nappers has been well, Ben Naplin, I think, but we know him as Nappers. Um, he has been talking to Charlie Beeston. He's one of our boys, and you can hear that straight after a word from our sponsors. 
And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the preview for Fleetwood Town Away on Saturday. I'm joined by Ben Nappers from COD's Vlogs. Hi, Ben. Uh, hello, mate. Uh, good to see you and uh, good to be speaking about uh, the game on Saturday. You too, mate. Um, right, so how's the season been? Yeah, it's been up and down. Obviously, Scott Brown's first um, season as a manager, obviously, had a couple of good results, a couple of bad results, a couple of okay results. Obviously, on Saturday, everyone's high after beating Derby County away. They were probably the biggest result in the football club's history. Yeah, great really. result. Um, great result. Uh, up there with Sheffield United away. And um, it was a superb result. And we need more of them. But it's against the sides like yourselves that, you know, you maybe should look into, you know, do better against, play better against, you know, test. We haven't quite been up to scratch against in terms of performances. So, um, there's a long way to go. But, you know, we're on the right track and we're making progress. For every negative you can mention about Fleetwood, you can probably n- name two positives. It, I mean, you know, just listening to that, it sounds like we are both, so, you know, Lincoln and Fleetwood in very similar situations at the minute. I mean, we we ourselves can get some great results against the top teams, but then struggle against those towards the bottom. And, um, you know, j- just looking at the baseline stats when I was checking it out earlier on, we seem very similar. We've got similar amounts of wins and losses. Obviously, I know we've got a few more draws, but you're second in the draw table of the of the league. And, um, you know, goals for and against, we are quite similar. So it's it, it does seem like it's, it's going to be one of those games of two teams, you know, that, that on paper you might expect to get a draw. But, uh, yeah, what... what what do you think looking forward to the game on Saturday? Are you expecting it to be sort of a very even game or? Yeah, very cagey. Both teams that, you know, probably want the end of the season sooner rather than later. So you can just <laughs> off, have a little break and we can go again next season. Uh, your story of your season is too many draws, especially at home against, you know, you, you know your Exeters, your Forest Greens, your Fleetwoods, MK Dons, Atkinsons. There's five draws in there that, you probably yeah. should have won the game. You didn't. You had those 10 points and you're chasing the playoffs and you're still within a shot of your season being alive. So that's the difference between us, like as kind of Fleetwood and your Lincolns, to your Boltons, your Peepers, your Wickhams, your Derbys, yeah. your Barnsleys, 
You know, those types of sides that can pull off win wins, you know, when they're not at the best. So um, it's going to be a real even game. Both teams, you know, are, you know, are decent teams on the day. Both teams have new managers. So it's going to be um, an interesting battle, I think. Obviously, you've got a couple out with internationals, uh, one being Rushworth as well, which I think is a massive blow. And yeah. probably adds to our chances of winning the game. Yeah, it's because, um, you know, I was very much going to ask you, what what's your international call up situation like? Because I haven't I haven't seen um, from yourself. So, are you expecting to be missing any or many first teamers? Uh, key and A's. That's it, really. Ireland. A lot of a lot of others are, are mainly kind of under 19s academy uh, born bred. So yeah, I think yeah we'll be more than fine for Saturday. Uh, we've got pretty much a fully fit squad bar. A couple of players promise is a long term injury. Um, yeah. Yeah, Darnell Johnson's been out for ages, Danny Andrew. So um, we've got a decent squad to choose from, lots of options. And uh, going into the last kind of eight, nine games of the season, it should be uh, an interesting one. Yeah, not really what I want to hear, but, um, you know, fair, fair enough. So looking at sort of specifically looking at you guys for the game on Saturday, what kind of shape have you been running? What, what, what do we need to be worried about? What are we expecting? Hey, probably... <laughs> It's been even a back three or a back four, whoever we play right. against. Um, it was on. I think the other day it was kind of like a, a three-four-one-two kind of situation where we have Marriott, Stockley, and Mendes Gomez all as a front three, right. and then you have your wing backs and you have your midfield very compact, and you have your defence, you know, very tightly knitted as well. So it's going to be um, interesting to see how we set up because it, to play Derby away, to, to play Lincoln at home is a totally different game. Yeah. And this is where Scott Brown's probably not got it as right as he should do. And this is where he's got a lot to learn from. But if he can crack this, which I believe he will. Actually, I don't believe he will. I know he will. I know he will. And we'll get there. You know, it might take time. And he will be a decent manager, wherever that may be. Um, and if he can crack that, then Fleetwood Town will go from a mid-table 11 wins, 13 draws, 13 defeats team to a team that are winning on a regular basis. Ah, you know, hopefully for your sake, that you know that does happen. Um, obviously, you mentioned a few of the lads there, um, sort of Marriott and Co. that came in in January. Um, what what's their impact been? Has it been as much as what you'd hoped? Uh, yeah, Marriott obviously has struggled for goals. So Stockley, mm-hmm. they've only got kind of got one each. Stockley yeah. had his goal taken off him the other day, but you know Stockley was outstanding on Saturday to a man, and Marriott has worked hard. So. The goal will come for them too if they keep, you know, working hard. And obviously, we bed them in now, and you know they're going to be massive for us next season. We spent a chunk of money on both of them to get them yeah. in on bigger deals, um, and you know that was our hope. So we've got to improve our midfield service to them. It's not just them because strikers need good service in League One. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if we can do that in the summer. Well, they, you know, it's very much what what I say. Yeah, for me, I think Ben House for us is is a brilliant striker, but sometimes service can be a bit lacking, and you know, with a bit a little bit extra, then he might just be getting a couple more goals. Um, so looking at Lincoln, obviously you you have a have a great knowledge of the whole of League One. I'm sure you've got it about Lincoln as well. So who who are you sort of worried about facing? Who who stands out on the team sheet? Uh, yeah, well, a lot of players like you've got. You know, 
I look at your side at the start of the year, and I, you know, I've said to a lot of people that it is a solid League One side. Mm. Obviously, I know you've got injuries, and I know you're missing players, but your Rushwoods, your Regan Pools, your Diamonds, your Ben Houses, you recruited really well in in the kind of the summer area as well, and that's kind of given you a platform. Unfortunately for you, you're the type of side that can go and score six away at Bristol Rovers, <laughs> but then you'll you, you'll you won't score for two or three games and. And that, that's your issue is, and you've got great players at the top area of the pitch, but sometimes, you know, they'll have their off days as well. They're either kind of a, a nine out of 10 or a six out of 10. Mm. They don't consistently get your sevens, your eights out of tens like your teams at the top area. And that is service again. So you've got a good side. You know, it's going to be a real tight game. Your home form this season has been good. Your away form has been up and down as well. Uh, but you've gone away to some big teams this year and given them games. Um, obviously, um, you obviously played Southampton, didn't you? You know, you, mm-hmm. were, you know, went toe-to-toe with them. Uh, oh, we'd we'd, we'd have beaten Southampton if we had VAR. I'm, I'm dying yeah. on that hit. <laughs> yeah, you beat Bristol City as well, did you, as yeah. well? Uh, yeah. You know, so, you know, you beat Ipswich away from home. So, you can go to these sides and put on a show. And, you know, you are a, you're a decent side, but... I, I I I believe if Lincoln had a, a Brennan Johnson or a Scully in the side, they'd be in the top 10 and probably would have turned, what is it, 18 draws now uh, yeah. this season for you. You probably would have maybe lost three, but you would have won six. Yeah. So you probably would be 12 points better off. Uh, and you look at that 12 points, all of a sudden, you're not, you're not too far off the playoffs. So you just need more match winners and you, you need a kind of a start. At the moment, you've gone and have got three or four players that chip in and do well and can get you probably 10 goals a season, you're just missing that kind of 15, 20 goal a season striker. Unfortunately, though, for you, mate, 23 other teams in League One are looking for that, <laughs> 24 teams in the Championship are looking for that, and 24 teams in League Two are looking for that exact same thing. Nah, they just, don't, they just don't exist anymore. There's only about two yeah. or three of them in the whole 92 anymore, isn't there? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's they're, just they're, not the done thing. And then, and then when they come to your club, they don't get 20 goals. They, they get five yeah, goals and flop. Always the case. I mean, you know, I don't need to mention John Marcus coming to us last season, for example. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, you know, those things happen. Um but right, so I guess the, the big question finally to finish it all off. Score prediction, what are you saying? I think it'd be nil-nil. We both love a draw, as we mentioned. Yeah. It's tightly contested, you know, display. I think both managers love a clean sheet as well. You know, love kind of being hard to beat, hard to break down, and they kind of take that on the journey with them as well. So I think it'll be two teams that I, I believe, if you did a, a, a 11 line-up, It'd be probably five team, five players from one and six players from the other that would squeeze yeah. in, and both kind of in every position have a similar matchup. So it's you know it's very interesting. So it's going to be very tight, nil nil. I take a point. I'd like to see a few goals, but both kind of teams should see the game as an opportunity to give players a chance. Obviously, you have to because of injuries and yeah. suspensions and obviously internationals. And just see the game as, look, we've got nothing to lose now. You probably need another th- another win. We got that last week. Um, I think you've got a game in hand on us to get that as well. So, yeah, you know, b- big opportunity for both teams. But, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be speaking next season as well. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't see, I don't see that not being the case, I've got to be honest. Um, I'm going for a 2-1 away win. Slightly optimistic, probably. I was liking but... you until then. Liking you. Yeah, well, well, I've got to go for it, Anna. I can't, I can't exactly come on here and say that we're going to lose. And <laughs> I, I feel like 
I think all this hype around us getting the record for the number of draws in a season, I just don't think we're going to get another one now between now and the end of the season. How many do you need? Uh, I, th- I think we need another five. Ooh. So I, I don't think it'll happen now, but I think a few games back it was very much on the cards. So <laughs> Maybe, yeah. you never know. Well, like you say, I, uh, I'm sure we will be speaking next season. So thanks very much for that, Ben. And enjoy the rest of your season now that, like you say, you are basically safe. So. You too, mate. Thanks for having me on. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Brilliant. Thank you, Nappers. Thank you, Charlie. Now, we're a little bit of a disadvantage thanks to a scheduling error. We haven't been able to listen to that because as we talk, um, it hasn't actually been recorded. <laughs> so we don't so know. we have no idea what was said, but I'm sure it was very insightful. Yeah. So we're going to make ourselves look like knobs now because we're going to talk about the game a little bit. Now, um, I, I'm concerned. I don't know what Nappers has just said. I'm a little bit concerned. I'm concerned because of Stockley and Marriott who have only scored two goals collectively in what is probably like 15 or 16 or 20 games. Um, I'm worried because we don't have Paulie O'Connor, who I've already said didn't have a great game on Saturday. I'm worried because we don't have Sean Rowan, who has been solid nearly all season. Um, I'm very worried because we don't have Carl Rushworth, which is ridiculous because Jordan Wright is a great shot stopper. Um but I'm just a little bit concerned about this game. I actually think that it could be the third of four consecutive defeats for us. And I know that that will have people up in arms, but a run like this has been coming. Um, and a run like a, a couple of wins might actually come after it because whenever we seem to go on a run and whenever negative things seems to happen, Mark Kennedy reacts to it. But I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned about this, this weekend. I echo your concerns. Uh, if you were hoping for me to come on and say, no, I'll go. it's going to be fine because X, Y, Z. I, no. Yeah, it's not happening. I'm I'm concerned for the same reasons that you're concerned. Um, and just the fact that being hard to beat, well, we weren't. It's the first time this season that we, we didn't have, you know, we, we've discussed the home record. Obviously, it's over now, but we've discussed the home record at length over the season. And depending on whether you were glass half full, glass half empty, it was either a, a positive or, or, or not so much of one. Um, but it's gone now. And for those of us that were glass half full, I think both of us were. Um, we haven't got that in the back of our mind saying, yeah, but look how hard are we are to beat. We're unbeaten at home all season. That's how hard we are to beat. People can't break us down. We lost 3-0. And like we said, maybe that flattered them a little bit, but we still did. And just from a mentality perspective from the players, losing something as positive as that in the camp is going to have an impact. And you're going to, and other players on the pitch looking around thinking, bloody hell, we haven't got Carl in goal at the moment. Even though that Jordan is absolutely reliable, Carl Rushworth has been an outstanding goalkeeper for this season. Paulie O'Connor has been Mr. Reliable all season. Sean Rowan has been really mature in his defensive performances for the majority of the season. So you're looking around as a player again, bloody hell, there. that's three of our key defensive players that aren't in the team right now. We've been struggling to score. Fleet would have been really hard to beat. Um, in their last 10 games um, there's been a, a lot of 1-0s a lot um, of results a lot, uh, there's been a 0-0 in there there's been a couple of 2-1s they're not high scoring games but they've been coming out on the right side of a lot of those high scoring of those, those low scoring games sorry um, we have at times this season we've also got a lot of draws um, but I just fear we're going to come out on the wrong side of a low-scoring game on Saturday. I think so. They bullied us at our place. We were tuning a lot. They were poor. But they bullied us. Sean Rooney, is it Sean Rooney? Came yeah, on. Yeah, the right-back. Absolute back, yeah. monster. Um, 
uh, you know, Josh Earl, I think that they've got, who was at Ipswich, who I think has been relatively impressive for them. We talk about Marriott and Stockley, and they're the ones that are going to get all the headlines. Um, that Josh Vaila was at Shrewsbury, wasn't he, and did the, the, the whole contract thing. They are a team who I think are built in the image of their manager. I think they're tough. I think they're niggly. I think the Bristol Rovers mark too. You know, I, 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 that's that's my perception of them, whether that's factual or that, not. That that's that's. What, I remember the discussion we had after the after the home game, um, walking away from the ground, and that's like I said, exactly the same thing. They're a team in the image of their manager, and um, it was different to last season, where sometimes you can feel an equaliser coming or a late con- conceding a late goal come in. They didn't. I didn't feel the same because I felt we'd been a bit more solid. We were, we're obviously a lot more more solid overall now than we were when we played them before. Um, but that was more a case of, that was just percentages. So they didn't create many high quality chances, but they just locked the ball in the box a lot. Yeah. And if you get the ball in the area so often and you get shots away, even if they're just half chances so often, just probability suggests that one's going to go in. And, and then that happened against us on um, in, in the in the early game of the season and we, we came away with a point that we should have won. Um, I think both teams have probably improved since then, but I think mentally we might be a little bit more um, susceptible than, than, than they are at the moment, especially after last week and especially with the lads that are missing. What's really interesting, you look at their game against Peterborough, their XG was 0.33, so around the same as ours. Peterborough's was 0.95, so around the same as ours. So the balance of that game was very, very similar to the balance of our game. They beat Peterborough 1-0. Uh, and they only had five shots with one on target, which was fewer than us. You know, you look at their game I suppose, against... I suppose their one on target probably wasn't an overhead kick by a centre-back, though. No, probably not. Probably not. Um, but you look at Fleetwood and Port Vale, 15 shots from Fleetwood, five on target. But they conceded 14, three on target. They were very lucky, beat Derby 2-0, 9-3, 14-1. I think if we were at full strength, and I debate, I could easily debate what full strength actually looks like for us, I think we'd stand a chance. I don't, but <clears throat> I think it would be more of a draw. I think between now and the end of the season, my honest, we just need to get over the line because attacking some attacking wise, something's not right. What yeah, we talked about what was it Exeter when somebody said before the Exeter game that's more or less us full strength, but it was Diamond and Mandrew, and now I'm thinking, well, you know, Vernon and Shadipo surely couldn't be any kind of worse than those two at the minute because of the, the form that they're in. I just think that we're falling out of form. And I think the season's going to tail off. That's exact, that's my concern. And I think um, it was only a few weeks ago that every game really matters. And we got ourselves up to 11th. Was it was after the Oxford game, wasn't it? Right? Yeah, after was, 11th yeah. and we was flying. Uh, you know, so maybe we didn't deserve to win it, but we did win it. And we were flying and we was like, yeah, we're in a good form at the moment. We're in a good run. Um, we were never going to get to the playoffs. Never in a million years. Um, but we, unless something goes catastrophically wrong, we're also not going to get relegated. At that point, I kind of felt like that was foot off the gas just a tad. Not necessarily in the camp, maybe as a fan base. Yeah. Just think, we're all right now. Any of us that were slightly concerned about relegation aren't anymore or shouldn't be. Um, so we're fine. And, you know, there's been the complaints, or some, not complaints, but some um, suggestions that maybe the, the the away support has been a little bit quieter. There's been, you know, and, and maybe the Ooh, performances contra- haven't... That was that controversial, way. but go on. <laughs> no, it was mentioned it last week, didn't we? It was, yeah, it was yeah, they, yeah what I'm saying is we um, mentioned it last week and it was quite mm, controversial. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I agree, but it was mentioned. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's just, it's just, no, I've got, I, I, I mean, I got that same feeling. I think, oh, relax a bit now, we're okay. And and when Posh scored on Saturday, 
I wasn't massively gutted. Obviously, I didn't want them to, and I, and I still thought at that time thought they could get into it. When the second went in, there wasn't pure anger that we've been shit. You know, I'm going to leave now. It was just oh bugger. That's the that's that's the run over. That's you know that's that's us. That's that kind of wave of, wave of positivity kind of is properly yeah, gone, gone, especially yeah. after the Exeter game. And yes. the only concern I've got is that we just coast now towards the end of the season. We go on a bad run, pick up a point here and there to to mean that we never seriously still get dragged into it. But we go towards the end of the season, only winning two or three more games, and and then we we don't have a huge positivity going into the summer. Was what I'd love is if we could just keep chipping away between now and then, and we we, we finish the season on a, on a, on a positive run. Um, then you can go into the recruitment drive in the summer. You can go into into next season with a with a real positivity, and that's the only concern I've got. And I agree. Last week, well, the extra posh this Saturday in the next game could be a real challenge in four games. And then my concern isn't the results of those actual four games. It's more about how they then affect the run into the end of the season. If we are to lose Fleetwood and Sheffield Wednesday, would there then still be a little bit of squeaky bum looking down? Well, we all know what happened in 2011, so yeah. Exactly. Um, but but I feel there's such a separation. Like t- Taking... The Lincoln City head off it and thinking, well, we've got stung before by having this mentality. Just, just being more objective than that from the outside looking in. Not anybody is going to look at Lincoln City, even if we lose these four games, thinking, yeah, they're going to be in serious threat of relegation. There are so many worse teams in the league, and the points per game that the lad, the teams down there are achieving are really low compared to what you'd expect. So there has been once ever someone's gone down on fifty points in League One. None of the 51, back, I think fifty one. Yeah. Yes, no, none of the bottom four this season will go down on fifty points. They'll be nowhere near it, in my opinion. Nowhere near it. Um, so I don't think we're seriously in 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 threat of that. But it'd be nice to be mathematically safe, wouldn't it? So then you, you just know full well it's not it's not it's not a problem. I don't think it is. I think if we just coast the end of the season, we'll pick up enough points to stay up. It's interesting that actually. They are low points, Tal. I mean, Accrington on 37, so they've got nine games left. Um, to catch us, they would need to win four of those nine games, assuming we picked up no points at all. If we are to pick up even just five points from our next 10 games, which would be a disastrous haul, Accrington would then need to win five of their last nine when they've only won eight of the last 37. Uh Morecambe have played one more and have got one one fewer point. And then Cambridge are already 15 points behind us. Um, so they would have to they would have to basically in in nine games again pick up five wins. Well, this is the consequence of the kind of the, the split in the league. It's it's almost two leagues. And we've said this all season. And we we got ourselves when we was in eleventh to the top of that of our mini league, and then all the clubs above us. Were those bigger clubs with bigger budgets that expected almost all of them uh, expected to be up there? Um, and they've all picked up a high a far higher number of points than you normally would do at this stage. So, together, the top three have got ridiculous points totals. Um, there's not many teams certainly that are clustered together that far, but that means that they've got the points that some of the teams that at the lower end of the table historically may have nicked. Yeah. So, there's a big there's a big kind of gap there, which means that. That normal 51, 52 points that gets you safe, I just don't think you need that many this year. Uh, no, you didn't last year. Didn't, didn't Fleetwood stay up last year on something like 42? 
Yeah, something I can't. I, I I think as soon as we were safe, I couldn't pay attention to it. <laughs> I think honest. we'll end up on fifty-two or fifty-three points, um, and the, I think that Accrington will probably be the last team relegated on about forty-seven. The concern I had, as you as you mentioned, though, is if we do go on a horrific one and only pick up five points out the next ten games, and that is a bad run. That will go. That will take us into the season into next season on a bit of a low without a, any momentum at all. Like we're absolutely fine. We're nowhere near relegation, but it's still a negative mentality to take in. And that's what yeah, I really want yeah. to avoid. But the, it's a negative mentality, but you can negate that by making the right signings. Oh, of course you can. You just like to give yourself the best chance of having a successful pre-season, a good recruitment drive. If you've yeah. been a team that's won five of the last 10 games, for example, and, and you finish a season strongly and you've had an upward trajectory since January, it's a lot more enticing as a player. Then, if you've struggled and you were just yeah, dropping off it, I know it's it not. Is. It, it, it is. goes into that from both the club's perspective and the players' perspective. They don't just look at the last ten games. See, oh, they did all right. I'll go there. There's more to it than that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So why not I, just put the odds in your favour? I think that's yeah. The I, I, I buy that. I just I remember Steve Thompson as manager in ninety one, ninety two, and I think he won his last seven or eight games. Um, loads of momentum. Everybody then was tipping us to be higher up the table than perhaps we should have been. And we ended up finishing just outside the playoffs. And, you know, there's also a case of raising expectations too high as well. I'm not that's saying I want, don't want us to win all of I, our games. Yeah. but I, I, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, to be honest. That's a, that's a nice little leveller for me. Thanks. You know what a lot of our supporters are like. If we win our next seven games, it would be, you know, Lincoln, we're going to win the league. So well, that's just like fans. it. That's for yeah, all fans. Every, every would, if, if anyone does that, it, it obviously increases expectations. For it's not me. Season, but... I'm, a pass, I'm, I'm an eternal pessimist. Yeah. So, right, we're on 51 minutes plus whatever Ben and uh, whatever Nappers and um, Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Ow, fuck. I just stabbed myself with a pen. Um, so we better get through uh, the other things very, very quickly. Um, so first of all, just mention Willie Bell. So Willie Bell, former Lincoln City manager, passed away this week. Um, not remembered fondly for his time at Lincoln City, unfortunately. Um, I think came in and, and ended up um, leaving us in dire relegation trouble. So it didn't work out for him here, but obviously he's had a long and distinguished coaching career over in America since then. Um, so obviously our condolences are uh, with his family. Um, absolutely. Uh, fan engagement. Let's touch on this really quick. So once again, we've come quite a way up the fan engagement list uh, this this season. Interesting to see our, our governance was only a couple of points uh, higher than Scunthorpe United, which was amusing. That's given how baffling. Yeah, utterly baffling. Uh, but once again, you know, we're a club off the field who others perceive to be doing things the right way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we, we, I think we finished fifth, didn't we? Yeah, we um, did. Out of, of the whole 70... Is it 92 or 72? I think it's the whole 92, isn't it? Well, if Scunthorpe um, are on it, it's got to be more than that, isn't it? Oh, good point. Yeah. Oh, good, very good point. Um, the top two are fan-owned clubs, which will always come top in those sort of situations. So realistically, you take Exeter and, um, and AFC Wimbledon out of the equation because they're always going to be top two. And fair play to them. Obviously, we all we all like what they're doing. Um, then we're third out of everyone else. Brilliant. It's just brilliant. Fair play. Yeah, it is. We, yeah, we, we've, said, we've, said, we've said it countless times and I'm sure we'll continue to. Whatever happens on the pitch, we can discuss and debate for, for hours on end. But one thing that isn't in doubt is the safe fans that the club is in off the pitch. And it's just really nice to have that. I, I often listen to the, the Price of Football podcast um, listening to today and they're discussing Wigan. Like Wigan's, what a baffling case started. that is. Don't yeah, so we, we, they was in those real dear, deep financial issues and we all had real sympathy for them two or three years ago. Yeah. Um, 
Not Lee now. Richardson obviously did a great job to keeping them up, gotten promoted obviously with a bit of backing. So they got taken over, got you know some, some backing, spent a lot of money. They lost seven million getting out of League One, seven million pounds they lost getting out of this league. Um, have gone up, aren't paying wages in the championship, um, may well end up in administration again and receive another points deduction. Like chase chase chasing the, the, the quick wins just is not sustainable and doesn't work. And Wigan fans must now just you know, imagine that. All we want to talk about is debate how shit you are or how brilliant you are on a Saturday on the pitch. But what's in your mind all the time is what's going on behind the scenes. And that's that's all they're talking about. What's on the pitch yeah. is secondary. For us, we get the privilege of discussing at length what happens on the pitch because we what happens off it is a given. And that's a, that's a privilege to have. I didn't hear one of those Wigan fans complaining when they were busting the bank to get out of our division last season. And that's... I'm not calling out a whole group of other fans because I'm sure there will be the odd one. But that's what really gets my goat is they're always happy to celebrate the promotions and not ask where the money's coming from. Berry fans, to a degree, not all Berry fans, were more than happy a couple of years ago when um, Ryan Lowe was there and they were spending on the likes of Danny Mayer and mm. people like that. And it, not so much Berry, certainly, because but Wigan were there and they came back through. And it might, it's not the fans' fault, I get it. But they're an absolute um, example of what is wrong with football. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with that. I suppose the one thing to say is that from a fan's perspective, you've had some, a terrible situation with an ownership. You've been in administration. You've almost got relegated out of League Two. Well, you almost went out of business. Then almost got relegated to League Two. Someone comes in and the immediate thought is new is better, isn't it? Whereas yeah. actually new is just different. And yeah. I suppose, yes, they're investing heavily, but you don't know how sustainable that is as a fan. And you 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 do get you, you, swing, you get brought along with a success, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe there were some questions about it at the time, but they weren't not pay- they were paying the wages last year. Yes, they were investing, but they they invested in what seems like a way that was going to be success- successful for them. Only this season, when you realise, hang on, they haven't been paid for half of the season. What's going on here? You realise, shit, new wasn't necessarily better. We're back in the same situation we were before. So you're absolutely right. As fans, will always you know maybe turn a blind eye to some things, but also at the time. It wasn't as clear as it is now what was going on. So I think it's, yeah. it's worth mentioning that. But from a Lincoln City perspective, we haven't got to worry about any of that. We're, we're fine. All right. yeah, we're yeah. all right, Jack. But I think we get fired. All I say is they are a shining example of why we need some sort of regulation and wage cap and spending 100%. monitor. 100%. Yeah, um, and bear in mind, aside from Peterborough, they were the last team to beat us at Sinsel Bank, and they did that on the back of a £7 million loss. And and when our fans are going, well, we should sign Stockley and Marriott, or we should sign Josh McGuinness, or we should sign... That's what happens. If you if you want to go for broke, you'll end up being a Wigan, or a Berry, or a Coventry, or a Portsmouth, or anybody else. Huddersfield, Reading are in trouble. I don't want to be those teams. I'd rather be mid-table in League One than dicing with death financially. And if that well, makes yeah, me... Of course. Yeah, that... I think that's that's reasonable for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, no. But, but if I you're pushing, if you're push, but if you're pushing for promotion, you turn a blind eye to it, or some people would turn a blind eye to it. Um, in the transfer window, way. in the transfer window, when Stockley and Marriott signed for Fleetwood, a lot of people were saying we should get the checkbook out, and it's that attitude that gets football clubs into Wigan's position, Huddersfield's position, Reading. That's a good position. point. Yeah, and it's, it's a... I, I would have been furious if we did. If we got the checkbook out. And we're gone, right, let's spend half a million quid on some strikers along similar ilk of those with the wages that they will command. You know what? The what it's not massively dissimilar to Marquis. I don't I think that was a 
a budget version of those two last season. But, it's massively but, different. It's massively it was, different. It, we didn't because, invest the transfer fee, and it was exactly. only a short-term deal. And it was a short-term deal. But that, people at the, the point time I'm making was, is that's the extent that we will go to. Yeah, yeah. But so if we need to do, if we needed to do something like that, we did it. But the point with Marquis is that it was done in a managed way that mm. didn't threaten the future of the club. If yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I hope yeah, it yeah. doesn't happen. If Andy Pilly dropped dead tomorrow. And I hope, you know, seriously, or if Andy Pelly suddenly had a, a change of heart and walked away from Fleetwood, with the commitments that they have and the fans that they get, they'd be busted in 18 months. They'd go out of business and, and they'd reform back in the Northwest Counties League. Yep, and they'd be like Rushton and Diamonds. And there are too many clubs like that. There should be no clubs that are so entirely reliant on one person that if that person walked away, they would fold. They're the risk clubs because for everything that Fleet would spend and for every Forest Green, we're offering more money to Ethan Arahan. They're offering more money to St Mirren to buy in. Based on what? You shouldn't be judged purely on your attendances. But I, t- I think I said it the other day, you cannot have these sorts of football clubs running completely unsustainably and Wigan last season in a division where you've then got a big gaggle of clubs trying to do it sustainably. Because you see it now. We're going, oh, well, Lincoln, we should be buying the players that... Barnsley are getting or Sheffield Wednesday are getting because they're at the top of the table and they play great football and it's not realistic. You've got 24 teams who are separated by 10, 15, 20, 30 points, but they're so far apart in everything else. It's unreal. It just angers me. Right. Should we talk about another team that did particularly well this weekend just to wrap up? We had some tell good us, news. Tell us about it, Chris. Good news. So you may have noticed last week on the podcast, I plugged a particular football match that was going on on Sunday. It was a cup semi-final for my team rugby, and we we only went and won it in the well, about two or three minutes before the end of extra time. Made hard work of it. We did, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. Um, broadly, we were really organised. I pers- personally, I felt we we dominated large sections of it, but we couldn't. We just couldn't yeah. find the final ball. Um, and then we finally got over the line, and oh, it was what a feeling! I haven't experienced a feeling like that in a game I've been involved in for such a long time and it was an absolute pleasure and we had loads of people come to support us. Thank you for advertising it on your on the on Twitter on your page because I'm sure that had a big impact on that. And it was just brilliant. I loved every second of it. And it was just we've got a cup final to look forward to. Um this football club's not not won a competition for a long time, haven't been to a cup final for a long time. On a personal note, I've never won anything. Um obviously we've got a whole a game to play and win it yet, but we've got a chance and it's it was just brilliant. It was actually an absolutely brilliant day. And well, we'll see. Say when we say made hard work of it, you obviously went one nil down to a good goal. It was a good finish. Probably a, a you know, a, you know, could have been avoided, but it was a good finish. Got yourself back into it. Got a last minute penalty. Missed it. Mi- missed it. Matt, Matt, who missed it? Um, <laughs> that's the first penalty he's ever missed in his whole life. All the way through <laughs> kids' football. All the way through adult football. It's the first one he's ever. It missed. was a good penalty, apart from the fact it didn't go in. It was low. <laughs> it was as far away from the keeper as it could be. I could see what he was trying to do. But the Broadley keeper was superb. Uh, and then obviously, game. and then obviously, a minute from the end of extra time, you get another penalty and missed D- it. D- different, different penalty <laughs> taker, young Brendan, who was our top goal scorer this season, takes it. Keeper makes a great save, but thankfully he follows it in and, and yeah. pandemonium. And then we just see it the last couple of minutes. But do you know what? I thought Brendan as well, just he kept his cool in that one moment. He had to be really aware. And as he was walking, I mean, it was the moment because I got the camera pointing at it. And what happened when you guys got the penalty, by the way, everybody cheered like you'd scored a goal. 
And on mm-hmm. the second one, I got quite angry. I actually shouted on the line, why are you cheering? You haven't scored. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Suwon took a video. And then, uh, I've posted I've got it. it yeah, yeah. Oh, you've got it. Oh, you're and joking. Then, and then, <laughs> and then obviously everyone goes nuts and runs on the pitch. It was fantastic. It was so, I was, yeah, I just want to say thank you um, to everyone that came to support, everyone that, that said congratulations. And has messaged me personally or on the, on the club page. Um, it just genuinely is appreciated. It really, it really made the day special for, for me personally, but also for all the lads because it's been a long time coming, but a few tough years. So, yeah, it's great. We've got a, we've got a big day out to look forward to. We haven't got a date for the final yet. I will I'll absolutely advertise it on here. I'll plug the hell out of it because it'd be great to get a real big crowd at um, at Central Bank supporting local football. Um, so I'll obviously um, kind of advertise that in due course. But yeah, it was it was a great day. I've already mm-hmm. been asked. I've already been asked by some people when the final is. Yeah, cool. well, as um, soon as we know, we'll let you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a great day. And after the disappointment of Saturday with Lincoln, just want to, it was just really nice to end the weekend on a on a massive high like that. And it, it really did. It was it was like a shot of dopamine to the arm. It was amazing. So yeah, more of those sort of games, please. Even I enjoyed it as I was coming away. I was I was singing songs in my head. I was making rugby songs in my head. And I was, I was thinking like... Oh, well, you, posted a, couple, you posted a couple on Twitter before kickoff. It was great. I did. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting <laughs> right into it. I, I, my second team, are, well, I mean, I, you know, they're the only team that I've actually played for ever. I mean, I know it was one game. So, um, yeah, rugby are in my heart as well. So, anyway, I think that's pretty much it. Um, so, we've covered more or less everything. We're probably a little bit over an hour and 15, depending on Nappers and, and Charlie. What um, a surprise. Yeah, what a surprise indeed. Um, so we will be back next week. I'm not sure who it will be. Probably me and Ben, um, hopefully talking about a positive result against Fleetwood and looking ahead to a massive, massive game against Sheffield Wednesday. In the meantime, hope you all have a very good weekend and up the imps. Up the imps. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.